faces of the girls showed small, pale, and pretty. Then all of them disappeared, while Rollison moved away from the window and picked up the telephone. Jolly, who had served him for over twenty years, had never got used to the speed of Rollison's movements. Now he began to dial almost before the instrument was at his ear. Jolly picked up the tea tray again as Rollison said, "'That you, Bill?' A man named William Ebbett, another old friend of the Toff and, in his way, as remarkable, answered from the East End Gymnasium which he had made famous. "'Mr. R for a pound!' "'You won your pound,' agreed Rollison. "'Do you think you could—' "'Ah, that's what I call a remarkable thing,' interrupted Ebbett, who had the richest of cockney voices and a pronounced wheeze. I was only saying to Lil this last dinner time, I was saying to Lil, it's a long time since we've heard from Mr. Rollison. Must be a couple of months, I was saying. Ebbett pronounced months as months. And how are you, Mr. R? Anything I can do for you? I'm fine, said Rollison, and I'm not sure whether you can help or not, Bill. Have you any rumours that a quartet of youngsters is coming to see me? Well, what kind of young, Mr. R? Late teenage, I should think, said Rollison. Can't say I've heard nothing about no Teds, said Bill Abbott, after a moment or two for reflection. I can make a few inquiries, if that would help. I'll let you know, Rollison said. Thanks, Bill, and... uh, Give my love to Lil. He rang off before Ebbett could launch the long series of questions undoubtedly on his mind, and as the front doorbell of this top-floor flat rang. Almost at the same moment, Jolly reappeared. Rollison nodded towards the door which led to the hall and followed Jolly. In the long, narrow lounge hall, furnished with a small bureau, two easy chairs, and with some beautiful mezzo-tints on the walls, Everything was silent. Jolly and Rollison looked up at a small mirror above the door. This was built into the wall on the periscope principle, so that the four teenagers were shown standing outside, slightly distorted and in miniature. Rollison and Jolly looked for and noticed exactly the same thing. All four had their hands in sight. Visitors with their hands in their pockets had been known to come here to rough the toff up, and both he and Jolly had learned to be careful. "'I'll be at the desk,' Rollison said. "'Bring him in, and then let them wait here for a minute.' "'Yes, sir,' said Jolly. By now, many visitors would have become impatient, but not these four. They did not ring the bell again. Rollison sat behind his desk picked up the pen, then swivelled round in his padded armchair and touched a hempen hangman's rope which adorned the wall behind him. He brought it forward a few inches and ran his fingers round the inside of the noose to make it more circular than oval. As he did so, Jolly opened the front door and said, "'Good evening.' There was a moment's pause. To Rollison it seemed like a pause of embarrassment. Then— "'Is this where Mr. Rollison lives?' a girl asked. "'We mean uh, the Toff,' a boy blurted out. "'He knows who we mean,' 
put in the second girl. Only the second boy kept silent. If you will come in and tell me your business, I will find out if Mr. Rollison is at home, said Jolly, his tone at its mellowest. No duchess could have been greeted more resonantly. Rollison heard the rustle and shuffle of movements, and a cough, before a youth said uneasily that they would rather tell Mr. Rollison in person what it was all about. Very good, sir, said Jolly, and after a moment Rollison's door opened and Jolly appeared. Had he noticed anything even remotely sinister or suspicious about the four, he would indicate it by a gesture or come forward to whisper. He looked slightly puzzled and actually shook his head. Mr. Rollison, he said, so that the four could hear...